Ideas can be farmed. The seeds of ideas can be planted, cultivated, harvested, distributed, and consumed. For ideas about growing, marketing, and consuming food, Idea Farming Consultancy was created to help organizations tell their stories and grow their brands. And for conversations about ideas that will matter, we have the Farm to Table Talk podcast. To connect on strategic consultancy, go to idea-farming.com. And to hear the ideas we're watching, stay tuned for Farm to Table Talk. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Agriculture keeps changing. Farming keeps changing. And new technology, new ideas, new approaches, they're happening. And really, they're happening not just for big farmers. They're happening for small farmers, big farmers in every region of the world. And we're fortunate from where I'm based in California. We have like the leading organization in the world for having a show about all the changes and all the new products coming on board. It's called the World Ag Expo, and it's in Tulare, California. It's in the, the wintertime every year, and I'm, I'm happy to have Jennifer Fox, and Jennifer is the marketing manager with World Ag Expo, and, and Jennifer, welcome. You're, I feel like you're an old friend because we also are on Clubhouse quite a bit, and we run into the ag discussion rooms, and I have a room of farm-to-table talk usually every week on Clubhouse, and there are some people scratching their head right now and saying, well, what's a Clubhouse? Um, and others, no, it's a, it's an interesting event. If you guys aren't, whoever's listening today is not on Clubhouse, give it a try. Download the app, because there's all sorts of conversations. Some of them will scare you away and think, oh my gosh, I don't belong in this room. But others are really interesting talking about food and agriculture. And again, Jennifer, that's where we met. But hey, hey Jennifer, welcome. Thank uh, you. So what's your what's your short speech? You bump into somebody and you say, well, I'm, I'm involved with World Ag Expo. Uh, what do you say next? Sure. I say that, you know, I am lucky enough to work with an organization that puts on events year round, but our biggest one is a farm show. And I'm in charge of marketing, not only for World Ag Expo, but for International Agri Center uh, through our equestrian and livestock events, our day-to-day -day events. We have some business meetings. We have Quia. Um, we have a water group today that's here. And we have weddings and other social events here as well. I get to help promote our mission every day. And it's really a lot of fun. It is something that I enjoy and that more sh people should know about. Our job is really to help share the story of ag locally and throughout the world. It's hard to picture this, but I mean, you put on the event you put on, the show itself is, as I understand it, it's like the largest outdoor event for there's yes. there's lots of, of farm shows around the world. And I know one of the biggest I want to go to sometime is in Paris, actually, just outside Paris. Yeah, show, yes. Uh, have you been there? I have not, but there are people within our organization who have, they love it. That one's really interesting. It's all indoors, even with livestock and everything. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I hear. Well, it's on my list. We'll yes. have to talk to those folks next because we do have some listeners from France that listen mm-hmm. to Farm to Table talk. But okay, well, let's talk about. Well, I want to talk about the broader picture real quick, because when you talk about you've got the Agri Center and so forth, for people that can't picture where you are, it's it's near Tulare, just um, California. And and so to narrow it down for those not in California, it, you could say broadly it's between like Sacramento and Los Angeles and south of Fresno. And um, and in fact, Fresno is about as close you can get to it if you're going to have to have a hotel room for, for your show. Right. Because everybody's coming to the show. But how did you end up having um, all these activities like an international ag center and an ag show? And an area that's, I mean, somewhat rural. I mean, uh, Visalia, Tulare are nice cities. They're not big cities, though, but they have so much going on in the whole world of food and agriculture. How did it come to be um, a spot where all this stuff is going on? You know, we had some really determined people in the late 60s. Um, Basically, what happened is our local chamber, along with some uh, business folks in town and some farmers, uh, got together. The farmers in the group had gone to the farm show in Calusa, which still goes on every year. And it's a smaller show, but it is the show that actually kind of birthed the idea of a few other farm shows. And we were one of them. Um, so we had some farmers go and say, you know, we could do this. We need this into Larry. We should bring it, bring this idea back and do it. And that was in, they started the project in 1966, discussing, looking at how they're going to do it. And it was a project of our local chamber of commerce. And so they were ready in 1968 was the very first show. It was the California row crop and equipment show. And it's gone through a few names as it's changed, but it was at the fairgrounds and they had a great first show. And really the originators uh, looked at the farmer's almanac, of course, as you do, that's this responsible thing to do when you're planning and you're in agriculture and said, if we're going to get farmers out here, our local farmers, because at that time it was really focused on being a California event, we need to be at the start of the planning season so they can really plan their purchases and see the newest technology. And we need to be when it's going to be rainy and they can't be in the field. And that way they have to come to the show. So every time someone complains that it's raining at the show, we tell them, yep, we planned it that way. Um, so started in 1968 and grew quickly and outgrew those showgrounds, partially because it got big, but also because uh, it was often very muddy and not really graded and planned for a farm show, understandably so. Uh, Eventually, uh, the first show out here on our own land uh, was in 1982. We were lucky enough to have great farmer volunteer neighbors that donated the original plot of land, the Freya family. And we started building ground specifically designed for the show and uh, graded for the show, really planned with really good straight lines, um, streets, uh, organized. And we've grown from there and just found that there's a need. Tulare does not have a convention center. We are the de facto events and convention center uh, for not just Tulare, but the area. We're right on Highway 99 with great access. And we've just looked at what opportunities and needs are out there and kept building. And uh, they were smart enough in 1976 to create this organization as a nonprofit. We are a 501c3. Our focus is ag education. 
Uh, World Egg Expo is one of those ways that we facilitate trade and education and growing agriculture, not just for Tulare in California, but for the world. And we see visitors from all over. We also have a learning center and museum and host lots of different events in that vein and also open uh, our doors to the community as they need a place to come and, and have events. You know, at some point in time, people had to really think pretty big. They said, well, let's make our first name World. <laughs> and, you know, we changed our name. Uh, so the name got changed. So in 1976, it, we were founded as the International Agri Center. And that was a goal right. because they were seeing a lot of international visitors starting in the 70s. Um, and then from there, World Ag Expo, the show name got changed in 2001 no. to World Ag Expo. And it's funny. Uh, when you look it up, if you Google that online, there was actually a show that happened in Iowa in the 80s that was World Egg Expo first for a little bit. And then we said, no, we'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, you have yeah. a trademark registered, all the things. Well, yeah. I have another suggestion for you, though. I yes. mean, it, as you probably have heard, we have a drought in California and and uh, not not news that's been going on. I'm afraid it's yeah. going to go on a, a while longer. Yeah. But you just reminded me, it always rains during your event. Why don't you have it every month? Because we got a lot of rain to catch up with. And if we could uh, just have those muddy days at the World Ag Expo, it would solve our drought. I know. If we could make it happen, we absolutely would. Let me tell you, we pray for rain a lot. We've done it in the clubhouse room. We have other states and people uh, can't pray for rain. But yeah, it's uh, we definitely need it. I, it's interesting, though, too. You can tell we have a little teeny bit more moisture even in the last couple of years because there's been some foggy days and yeah. I feel yeah. like that hasn't been the norm for a while. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've lived in other States um, where I could always count on it raining when I washed my car or washed our right. windows. Right. And so I could avoid bo doing both if I didn't want to have rain. And so I just thinking it, we could have an expo and we could have the rain here, but probably in that simple, I could also say that all the times I've been down to the world Ag expo, um, I've got a lot of muddy shoes to show for it. Yes. So uh, it, it is often kind of muddy tromping around. And and I think that's the other part of the story we want to jump ahead to is that <laughs> you have like over a hundred thousand people yes. that that come. And I believe you you can run like 50, 60, 70 or something countries of the world that yes. come in. Yes. Yeah. We are usually sitting somewhere between 60 and 70 different countries. Uh, represented on the grounds between our attendees our, and our exhibitors. So we definitely have an international business center as well to host um, these attendees and, ex and exhibitors. Well, you know, before people click off and say, well, I'm not a farmer, so I'm do I, uh, yeah. but I think a lot of people come that aren't farmers. There are people that are interested in food and agriculture. And I've had something to do with that before. I've, I've actually brought food editors there before yeah. and oh. they've come in from all over because they want to see what's going to be happening Yep. with food. And the other thing that I, I want to point out that I like about it is that it's kind of like a state fair. Uh, but you, yeah. I mean, you've really got all the good food. I mean, when you go around yeah. the, the food booths that um, the reason I used to like go to the state fair is to see the animals and the, you know, the ag stuff and crop around with everybody else and have food. And you got all those food tents going on too. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of the funny thing. It's like we have a love-hate relationship with that comparison because, you know, fairs, as we think about them now, are more entertainment and more about the rides and some of the different things, whereas they used to be farm shows 
in the 50s and 60s came out of that because it stopped being quite so commercial for farmers. And so that's where farm shows developed to take the commercial and business side. Um, but it is. And that's the thing. We welcome people to come learn about agriculture. If you want to see what's next, if you want to seafood, there's there's oftentimes we have a few exhibitors that they olive oil, uh, Bari olive oil, they're growers, producers, and they make their own olive oil. And you can come and get some of the show set in pistachio. Same thing. Um, but you really can see what's next and how much technology and education and work goes into agriculture and the safety and, and, and really producing our food. And actually 2022, we are going to have more li- We're actually going to have livestock on the grounds. We are planning, uh, we're working with WW Livestock Systems. They're sponsoring um, some things with us and working with us on our livestock and equestrian side of the business. So and horses, cattle, and cattle, and we, yes, we're going to have for sure dairy cattle. We're working on some uh, some beef cattle, but California Rain Cow Horse Association will be here, and they're going to be demonstrating working with cattle on horseback uh, mm-hmm. with the systems that WW has. We're working. Fresno State is planning a um, an IVF uh, demonstration with dairy cattle. We have some fitting uh, and showmanship sessions planned with California Youth Ag Expo specifically for 4-H and FFA students uh, to look uh, when they're doing showing of their animals at either fairs or jackpot shows and really handling animals appropriately and really working uh, with livestock. And so we have a few things and we're looking for other exhibitor partners to work with us. We've had in the past too, we've had um, livestock dogs where they've done demonstrations showing how they use dogs to work with sheep and a number of things. So it's really, it's exciting to come and see how many things agriculture does, what they're doing well already, what they're doing better, what they're working to improve and really learning. And of course, then eating. I mean, like you said, I mean, if you want a steak sandwich, if you want that cobbler, (laughs) this is the place to be for sure. Oh man, you're making me hungry. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and one thing, too, about learning about agriculture and learning about farming, you actually have seminars going on. So people can, in addition to walking around, seeing tractors and cows now and 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 seeing all the demonstration and the, and the new equipment and enjoying the food, they can sit down and have some seminars. And I, I know the one uh, Frank Mittlerner that is yes. uh, he's going to be there this year. And there's some others, too. And Dr. Mittlerner is with the. It's the Clear Institute, I think it is, at, yes. at UC Davis. And he talks about kind of the real story of the impact of cattle in particular on the climate. Yes. And and he'll be there. Yes. Uh, so, so that's pretty exciting, too. And It's very exciting. I've already seen, and I'm actually working on scheduling our seminars. A number of them are already up for preview on our show website. Um, but, uh, Karen Ross, our secretary of ag, I know you talked to her a few weeks ago. I was listening to that podcast Mm -hmm. this morning. Um, she is scheduled to be here on a panel, uh, for women in ag, uh, in our seminar, uh, space. And so we have one seminar trailer dedicated to Fresno state, all three days of the show. They're going to be covering water and their Institute for food and ag is having seminars as well as their Versi program, their viticulture and enology so they're going to be talking about uh, wine, grow- wine grape growing, orchards. Uh, we'll have lots of stuff on policy, uh, tax implications for farmers, UC Extension, uh, where we'll be doing their uh, dairy seminars. 
And that's where Dr. Mitlerner will be speaking. So there's a wide variety. There's information on how to get internships in ag. So it's it's a little bit of everything and really some good information. We have seminars that are 25 minutes and we have seminars that are two hours. So if you want to learn more about water and policy and everything, it's a great well, place. Well, and, uh, and, and they don't charge to get your picture taken in the cab of a big combine or a tractor. No, they don't. No. I've seen some of these people that, you know, are brought in from the from a big city somewhere and they, and what they love to do is climb up in the cab of, of one of these $600,000 tractors and have their picture taken. Yeah. And, um, and it's maybe they're well, not you know. 600 anymore, but they're big, yeah. they're big. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it's like, it's got everything. The one thing I haven't mentioned yet though, yeah. that, that, that you also do is you, you identify like the, the, the top 10 new products, Yes. And, you know, everybody has to have a top 10. I mean, when you right. look at anything, it's like, okay, what's the top 10? So I, I do a Google for almost anything, it seems like, and they start running back a top 10. But you have your own top 10. You do. And you had you have one every year, I guess. You had one this last year. And you're, you have one in this year uh, mm-hmm. coming up as well. But give, give me an idea sure. of... Who applies to be recognized as as one of the new products and how how does that process work? So the first basic requirement is that to enter our top 10 new products contest, you do have to be an exhibitor at the show. And so uh, in typical years, we'll have anywhere from 1,100 to 1,400 exhibitors at our show. And that is a lot. Um, and everybody's innovating. Everybody's doing something. They're improving or creating something entirely new, whether it's in 2022, I'll give you a preview because we're trying to release that information this afternoon. Uh, we have one item that is for irrigation. It's a 30 cent piece that improves, um, irrigation and shut off and makes things easier for growers. I mean, that's a super affordable option. It's super simple, really small but very important. So everything from that to autonomous um, robots for fields. Um, We have some electronic vehicles. Typical years, we're having um, new, we've got new software and new apps that people need just to organize all the big data they have access to and really incorporating AI to help them run their fields better and understand or even remotely shut off water. Why drive out to a field, waste that gas, put more emissions out in the air when you can do shut off from farther away and control that water even quicker, especially when we're in a drought. I mean, we're looking at all these different things to improve quality, to get down to such small measurable units that it's amazing. I mean, you talked to uh, Karen Ross about methane and all of the different things with digesters and capturing and, and changing how we look at agriculture as a benefit mm-hmm. and how we can capture all the things we do. That's what we're seeing in our top 10 every year. It's amazing. Well, in this last year, I think you had some robots sure. working in the, in the, in yeah. the dairies and see, I actually have robots and I, yes. I is, will robotics be represented in um, among the things the coming up 10? this year too? Oh, absolutely. Not just in the top 10, but also in our exhibitors in general. I mean, I will tell you, we have one item. I can't even I can't even say the name of the item, even in the press release. It's so new and we'll launch our show, but it's geared towards vegetable fields. So if anyone's uh, in the Salinas area, they might have seen it testing. 
But if you have anything to do with row crops, especially vegetables, you'll want to get to the show and see this top 10 item. Um, but yeah, robotics, we have uh, one in the top 10 this year that uh, addresses the almond mummy issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, with targeting We're going to have to explain what mummies are. Oh, that's a good one. So um, almond growers, when they go through and they shake the nuts off the trees, very kind to the trees, but it's a whole process. Not all of those nuts are going to fall off. And unfortunately, what happens is when those nuts stay on the trees, insects really like to use those as a new home. And so you'll have particularly orange worms burrow into those nuts that stay on the tree and become a problem. And there's actually uh, health issues for the tree. There's um, yield loss from the trees for the next year. And so to avoid that issue, what typically happens now is you'll have folks uh, hired to walk through the field with a big bamboo stick trying to, you know, hit the tree, knock them off. And you still And And fair enough. People cannot work 24-7 in a field to get these all done. And so, but it becomes a real problem for growers and for our nut supply. So we have someone that has worked on this issue, developed a robot that can drive through a field. It's a, uh, I believe it's on an electric battery. And it targets and shoots out these, these mummies with a biodegradable pellet. So, I mean, I mean, it's like, it, does it like drive down the, between the rows of trees and then shoot at these little, little yes. mummies? Oh yeah. my gosh. And they're even looking at a possible upgrade. Um, a suggestion has been made depending on, you know, things. And again, it's, it's going to be in its first cycle. It's mm-hmm. contracting now for 2022. I think they might be full up for 2022 season. Um, but they're even looking at the possibility of right now it's a biodegradable pellet. Well, at some point, can it be made out of manure? Because why not, when that pellet degrades, feed the soil it's going to be falling on? So it's doing even more work at some point. So, um, you know, again, just all these much smarter things. But yeah, it has targeting software. um, And they'll be, they've submitted to demonstrate this at the show and actually be shooting targets in their booth at the show. Wow. I would imagine some are doing, using drones in some of those creative ways too, that We've seen some creative drones. There's a couple years ago, they weren't in the top 10, but they were a great story. Um, students at Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo, they were, um, two of them were seniors, two had just recently graduated, and they had worked together on a drone that not just flies, but then has tracks, lands, and can drive out, take a soil sample, fly up, bring it back, and can map and record where it got that soil sample to really help target areas that needs spot spraying instead of just, you know, covering a field when maybe you have a more defined problem and really working on precision ag issues, especially in vineyards. So yeah, there's always amazing things that you'll find out here um, that people are testing, they're beta testing, they'll come back with the next year and really be ready to go to market. It's, it's amazing. So before people actually get there, they yeah. can they can see the details of your top ten that Absolutely. have been chosen. Uh, are they also able to identify the the others that are going to be at the show beyond just the top ten? Oh, of course. So we have um, our website online. We as um, exhibitors are approved. We currently have over eleven hundred exhibitors. Their profile, once they are approved in a space, goes on our website. And it has where they're going to be. There are two um, product category areas. And of course, their website, their email, all the information to contact them now, especially if you want to know more about them at the show. 
Um, so of course, go to worldegexpo.org to check out everything about the show. Scroll down to the bottom of the page to look at the exhibitor list, and that will take you to another part of the show website, and you can explore exhibitors, seminars, lots of information about the show. You know, one of the things I want to circle back to again, yeah. and that is this is scalable downward uh, and in addition upward. It, in the early stages, a lot of the new technologies are just sort of the really large operations that can afford it. But I, I like it that you started this conversation out with the example of there's a new, exciting new product that's like cost 30 cents. Right. And, and, and so uh, so there's something there, whether you've got a, a two-acre two specialty crop farm and a community farm, or whether you, you've got, uh, you know, 20,000 acres. Right. And that's one thing that I would say if someone hasn't been to our show or hasn't been to a large scale farm show before, um, please do your research. We want you to use your time wisely because our show is 2.6 million square feet of just exhibit space. That does not count the food booths or the roads or the restrooms or even parking. That is just our exhibitors in the space that they use. So it's a large space. You need to know what you're looking for. If you are looking for information on gardening at home, we will have options for that. Like you said, you do not have to have thousands of acres. If you are looking for tools, hand tools that you just want to use in your backyard, we'll have that. We have a gardening category um, within the product categories. There's greenhouses. So yeah, there's definitely ways to scale up and to scale down. Oh, I think it's, I mean, it's so exciting. I can't hardly wait. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to being there again, actually, and figuring out what mud is like all, all over <laughs> again as, as as well. But it's, um, now in in these programs, I mean, one of the things that that I think of is that when I've been down there before, I've come across some really unexpected things. And, and one example that I'd say that's just somewhat controversial is that there are people that uh, are concerned of what, how how livestock are contained and whether or not, you know, the, the way that they're handled and whether or not they're in pins that are too small and so forth. And I, and I really don't want to dismiss those kind of criticisms. I think they're really, really important questions. But the thing I was thinking about a few years ago at the show, I saw an exhibit from Scandinavia, uh, Scandinavian products that were showing uh, some ways to pin hogs in this particular case, that not only could they go in somewhere if they wanted to be alone, but they could let themselves back out when they wanted to be with a group. And I thought, this is incredible. I don't think it had any publicity. I don't know that anybody was paying attention to it. And, right. and in recent years, when I've heard some of the criticism, I thought, you know, when I saw some of this technology right. that they came from Scandinavia to exhibit at, at the World Ag Expo. And again, there are ways to put more control into, into the hog itself to <laughs> make decisions again, right. when, when to go into right. a pen and be alone and have its own feed, not have somebody else hogging it, if you will, right. um, and then let themselves back out again right. and, and be in the community. Yeah. Really, really and, interesting. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing. And you know, with our show, it being California, hogs are not going to have, um, there's not going to be as much variety about hogs or poultry at our show, you're going to find it. You're just not going to find it in as great of numbers as you might right. in the Midwest, but you're right. There's so many things to see and to get in detail on 
it is so hard to cover everything. And that's another area that I'm responsible for. I work with media at the show. We typically have about 250 registered media. Mm-hmm. And that's registering to come on site. They don't all come on site. Uh, some, if we usually have a few international media folks, some will stay, aren't able to travel, but they want to get our press releases. They want to learn more about the show. They want to know what's available. But we also organize morning TV and we tell our exhibitors, please tell us what you have. Tell us what's new and different. And unfortunately, not everyone takes advantage of marketing that way. Um, so there's things, yeah, I didn't ever see that at our show. I feel like I never see everything at our own show. Um, and it's, it's, it's always, it's always disappointing. Cause I really, once the show's live, I only have three days to see it. And there's so many things behind the scenes that we're working on. Um, but that's what I love about doing the TV section and organizing that morning TV and our, um, uh, our marketing coordinator, Haley and I work on scheduling that and finding out what's going to play well on TV, what's going to be interesting. Um, we're going to have, we're looking at having a, a, a group of Uzbeki uh, exhibitors this year and they're bringing fruit and they're working on getting Uzbeki melon into the country to share and, and promote. And, you know, we're talking about it at 6am yesterday, uh, you know, when we could get on the phone with them and they're working with USDA to get it into the country, make sure it's safe. There's no pests. And have samples of something new and different. I mean, we Uzbeki? look at you said Uzbeki. So Uzbekistan. So, so yeah. So you mean you have to like go to Istanbul and take a left or something? I <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah, we're still even with COVID and the different year it's been, we're being responsible and safe, but we're recruiting international buying groups and exhibitors to be at the show because Uzbekistan specifically has irrigation needs. And they have some really strong goals for 2030 on having another, I think it's about 2 million hectares of ground in an irrigation system. So we're inviting them to come and and really look at their options at our show. Well, and places around the world that have water challenges and California is not the only place. And in fact, it's growing more and more places around the world. I mean, they really can learn from each other. It's Absolutely. It's, it's intriguing. And I had never thought of looking to Uzbekistan, but I, I think that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for it. That's, and that brings up another thing, too, is that, I mean, we've gone through a very restrictive period of time and there's all sorts of COVID protocols. What, what are you going to have to be observing uh, right. as you project it right now? Yeah. Well, I would say anything that we have in place right now, which we'll talk about, just keep in mind, we know that things change. So be ready to be flexible to change and to always be safe. Our biggest caution right now is if you're actively sick when it is time for the show, I don't care what you have. We love you. We want to see you. Please not while you're sick. We really need to keep everyone safe, everyone healthy, and do all do our best. And we're even talking about that with our own team. If If I'm sick that week, Who's doing media? Because I cannot come and share that. Mm -hmm. So that's our first thing. Please be healthy when you come to our showgrounds. But second is, based on current California standards, we are an outdoor show. We are a mega event. So that is good. I mean, we have lots of good airflow, room to move, and room to distance yourself. There are currently no social social distancing requirements per California Department of Health, Public Health. Um, But again, we're going to remind you, please, be responsible. We've been through this. We don't need to cause a problem. Let's be responsible. 
Um, we will have masks available. Of course, we will have hand washing and hand sanitizing stations available throughout the showgrounds. We're really working with our food providers and everyone to be safe, be healthy, and have resources available. However, at this time, it is not a requirement for outdoor shows to check for vaccination status and for testing status. So we won't, we're choosing not to do that. We expect our people to be responsible and safe. First one being don't actively be sick. So those are right now, but we're doing everything, especially within the indoor areas to be smart, be responsible. If you're going to be going on a, uh, one of our ag tours or taking the park and ride into the showgrounds and you're getting onto a bus in an enclosed space, we're using airline rules. You will need to wear a mask because we're in an enclosed space. Sure. Sure. It's going to be a short ride. Once you're done, you're back outside. Please either keep your mask on or take it off. Be responsible. And uh, that'll be great. Um, our large indoor buildings, we plan on having the doors open a lot. So maybe bring an extra jacket. We want good airflow. But same thing for seminars, a smaller enclosed space. We're really recommending those masks, especially there when people are talking and we have uh, some other germs flying around in the winter. We're going to really encourage people. We need to be responsible. We need to be safe. Because we're not just protecting ourselves and each other. We're keeping safe all the people that grow our food and feed us every day. That's sure. really important. <laughs> so, Well, and, and, and really, you're talking about a, a huge outdoor area, too. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah. you might have to take a few extra steps away when you're standing yeah. in the food lines. And undoubtedly, I'll stand in the food lines. Of course. But, uh, but when you're walking through the shows, I mean, you're, you're 10 foot away from most people most of the time. Absolutely. Kind of like wandering down the down the streets and everything. So it's, well, it's, 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 um, it's a challenging time. You had to take a year off yes. and, and you're, you're coming back. And I know so many people are going to be happy that you're coming back right now. And, and I know that there's some people listening that are saying, okay, maybe, maybe this is where I need to go out. You know, I'm not able to take my vacation to the Caribbean, but uh, let's head to Tulare now. And, Absolutely. and, and you've been describing the, the mud we may have. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's offset by all the other interesting topics and the food and the yeah. and wandering around and seeing the, seeing the new, new equipment, but re Jennifer, uh, remind people if they want to check out, keep track of it, register, try to you know to attend. Where do they find information on the sure. on the program? Yep, please go to worldagexpo.org and check out. We have information if you're interested in becoming an exhibitor. We have information, of course, for attendees. We have information for media, um, and especially for attendees, exhibitors, media, anyone looking to visit. We have lots of information um, on that attendee page. There's a general information section about halfway down that really goes over how to travel here, what we recommend as far as accommodations. And I would tell you, if you're planning to come or looking to come, please book a room now. Again, we mentioned at the top, we're, we're, not, we're a more rural area. So hotel rooms become tight. They're very popular. It's very competitive. Please look um, at Bakersfield, from Bakersfield to Fresno, maybe even up to Madeira. There's a lot of great options, a lot of wonderful places to stay, and very fun, interesting, engaging um, ag communities. So definitely take a look. Um, we also uh, have information on our local airport right down the road here. Uh, but our park and ride is very popular. If you don't want to sit in traffic, 
um, especially to be driving, please check out those parking rides. You can get on a comfy bus and we'll drive you in. Um, but definitely worldlikeexpo.org and, and through there, you'll find the show website with all the exhibitor information. You'll just scroll down, scroll down to the bottom of each page. Uh, there's a place to either click and go directly to the exhibitor list or to go to the show map and start planning your visit um, in January, about mid-January. Our app will be up. You can download that and you can walk around the showgrounds with it. It has a feature to uh, give you directions from place to place, food booth to John Deere, John Deere to food booth, uh, if that's the way you want to go and uh, really help you navigate. And of course, we have our Orange Jacket volunteers on the grounds. They love helping people. They are the people who have staffed and made sure this show has happened since 1968. And they will be in info booths. They will be driving trams. They are in pavilions helping our exhibitors and our attendees navigate. They're everywhere to make sure that this show happens and you are hosted well and have what you need. Well, not to not to leave out the fact that you're going to have front of the table talk podcasts there as well. Of course. Yeah. We're and you know what, Jennifer, what we also need yeah. to do is let's just like sometime I'll catch up with you and we'll log on and do some uh, live clubhouses from yes. there. So people from around the world that don't come in and maybe they're not able to at that time, but uh, we'll have some live clubhouse events. And we'll talk to some Absolutely. people on there too. Yeah. There's, there's definitely places to do that. And hey, sitting, grabbing a table anywhere in the food court type areas, getting ourselves some food and sitting down and having a chat. Um, is always a great option. Well, and and again, I'm especially excited about this one coming up because I, I do think that the the introduction and the availability of technology is now becoming more broadly applicable to all kinds of folks and people that um, that maybe didn't see themselves uh, involved in food production or the food system that the kinds of things that are happening here um, with the uh, the new products and new programs coming, is there something for everybody? Like we've said a couple of times already, that whether you're um, small, local, organic, or you're large scale and, and more commercial kind of enterprises, or you're in Uzbekistan or the United <laughs> States, you know, they all are have a great deal to offer uh, at this. So, so Jennifer, thank you. I really appreciate this update. It's been great talking to you, and and we're looking forward to to uh, having a, a great time at the at the expo. So thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you in Tulare in February. And that's probably the other thing I should mention. Make sure I put out there the show in 22 is February 8th through the 10th. Beans. There's so many of them. Red beans, black beans, baked beans, mung beans, but whatever they're called, all beans are magic. They can become our favorite dinners or the tastiest...